0: Galatians chapter chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 12 verses. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you, in the grace of Christ, to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you let him be accursed as we have said before so now i say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received let him be accursed but do i now persuade men or god or do i seek to please men for if I still pleased men I would not be a bond servant of Christ but I make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it but it came through revelation of Jesus Christ let's pray Once again, our God and Father, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures that show us all that we need to know for our salvation. That show us our Lord Jesus Christ in his beauty and glory and sufficiency. And by your Holy Spirit, we pray now tonight that you would teach us and show us Jesus Christ in all his sufficiency, we pray in his name amen Amen. Amen. satan has many ways in which he seeks to undermine and to destroy the work of jesus christ to undermine and destroy the church of jesus christ one of those ways is by persecution the other principal way is by stirring up false teachers and false prophets who bring another gospel which is not a gospel at all and that is the problem this is the way in which satan is attacking the church or the churches rather in galatia and that may seem rather surprising in some ways because it is really less than probably less than two decades since the death and the resurrection and ascension of christ and the day of pentecost but there are false teachers in galatia verse 7 there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of christ and he says this is not a gospel at all and he pronounces a very severe judgment upon those purveyors of false doctrine he pronounces an anathema it's a curse that is very strong language but then the apostle paul is firmly persuaded that the gospel that he preaches is something that he has received directly from christ it is not his message he says that clearly in verse 11 the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man It is God's gospel. It is Christ's gospel. It derives then from God and not from man. And so therefore any false teaching that comes in is going to be something that is man-made. And the Apostle Paul is writing then to these Galatians because they are in danger of being sucked in to false teachers who will detract then from christ and will detract from god's gospel and in his greetings here he is very brief and he does something which is different to all the other letters in verse four which is going to be our theme this evening there is a brief and bold statement on the uniqueness of jesus christ he speaks of him in this vein Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What Paul says in essence is this. That Jesus Christ when he died on the cross had a very specific and definite end in view his deliberate purpose was to deliver us from this present evil age and he says this was always in accordance with God's eternal will and purpose and to God then belongs the glory and in this verse what he is doing in effect is summarizing everything he is going to say in the letter to the Galatians. He's bringing things right at the very beginning to a head in order to undermine and to destroy and show the foolishness and the wrongness of those who are suggesting that what Jesus Christ has done is not enough. These people who are coming and troubling them are saying... Jesus is not enough. His death on the cross is not sufficient to save you. You need to be circumcised. You need to be following the Jewish dietary laws. You need to be following the kosher food laws and so on and so forth, and Sabbath days and all those sorts of things. And so they have a a gospel which is not a gospel because it's Christ plus but the plus becomes so important that christ gets squeezed out altogether and so what the apostle paul does right at the very beginning is a bold and firm statement he begins as he ends his letter to the galatians but he uses slightly different language what he's saying here is he's going to boast in jesus christ and in jesus christ alone and by this Method he is going to hit this error head on. And I want us to examine then verse four in particular. We're not going to look at all the details in verses four and five; that would take us too long. But I want to examine what Christ has done and the deliverance that He has brought about, in order that we might appreciate ourselves afresh what it means to say Jesus Christ alone saves sinners Amen. that is what i want to stress then this evening because that is what paul is stressing that is the heart then of the gospel and i believe that that will stir, spur us on to holiness and to assurance and to a fresh appreciation of the all-sufficiency of christ and if there are some of you here this evening who at this point do not believe in and do not trust in jesus christ then i hope and pray that you will come to realize the danger that you are in it's a very real danger that confronts you because you've been blinded by the god of this age by satan satan does not like the truth and in order to conceal the truth he blinds the eyes even of those who hear the gospel of christ I want you to be saved my prayer is that every single one of you if not tonight but in very soon will become Christians yeah. so I'm speaking to you children and young people as well as some of you who are older now then let's look then at verse 4 in particular and we'll see first of all that God's gospel Christ's gospel proclaims christ's voluntary self-sacrifice he gave himself for our sins and there are two things about christ's death on that cross outside the city walls of jerusalem two decades or so before paul wrote these things firstly he gave himself that is he delivered himself up to death on the cross it was not martyrdom it was not out of his control it was not fate neither was it Pilate. neither was it herod or any of the soldiers and although jesus describes it as the hour of satan it wasn't satan's work this was christ determined voluntarily to offer himself as a sacrifice for sins it was a giving of himself he did it freely remember what he says in that passage in John 10 the passage where he refers to himself as the great shepherd of the sheep my father loves me why does the father love him? because I lay down my life no one takes it from me I lay it down of myself and that's what paul is emphasizing first of all here when he says he gave himself for our sins you may remember there's a turning point in luke's gospel pastor jeremy's reaching that point but he's referred to it once or twice in chapter 9 and verse 51 jesus sets his face to go to jerusalem and if you pick up the threads from the prophecy of isaiah it's it has the the, the strength of he, he set his face like flint To go to Jerusalem. So determined was he to die there. But it was his decision. Everything that took place, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the agonizing hours there that he spent, he is not deterred. He must go to the cross. He gives himself wholly and completely voluntarily. There is determination, there is resolution. That's because of his great love for his people, his sheep. But secondly, Paul also emphasises the infinite value of his death. This voluntary self-sacrifice has an infinite value. He gave himself for our sins. He made atonement for our sins. That is, he turned aside the wrath of God that we deserve he secured the forgiveness of our sins he gives us his righteousness the fruit of his obedience and his blood shed on that cross in so doing he makes atonement before god for our sins peter says he bore our sins in his own body on the tree nothing nothing removes sin save the death of jesus christ no one else can deal with sin how else could the apostle paul declare in verse three grace to you and peace from god the father and our lord jesus christ grace and peace grace that unmerited favor of god peace which is god reconciled to us how can paul proclaim those things and say to you galatians grace and peace unless there has been an atonement for sin and that is what he is stressing right at the very outset jesus christ offered himself voluntarily to die in our place and he is the source of that saving grace and saving peace that comes to us from both god the father who is the author of our salvation and it is his gospel and his son jesus christ who purchased our redemption by his death on the cross that implies that his death was a perfect sacrifice for sin it was complete it was sufficient it was of infinite value which is why the writers of the New Testament speak of the precious blood of Jesus Christ the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world there is an infinite value then to the blood of Christ and to his death on the cross and Paul lays that out at the very outset of this letter because he's going to tell these galatians look you're being sucked in by these judaizers who want to have you circumcised you're being sucked in by those who are so emphasizing kosher laws and rules sabbaths special days routines and rituals that detract from christ and say christ is not enough you must have all these things as well paul is saying you don't need the works of the law you don't need all these extra things you don't need anything that makes a contribution to your salvation it is christ and christ alone and my friends we don't need our works our prayers our good intentions however sincere they are never ever going to be the basis on which god pronounces us righteous they are never going to be the basis on which god proclaims the forgiveness of our sins christ and christ alone by his voluntary self-sacrifice and by the shedding of his blood now that is the first thing that Paul draws our attention to this evening. But the second thing is this. That God's gospel. Christ's gospel. Proclaims deliverance. Deliverance. Here now we go into a little bit more detail. As to the purpose. For which Christ died. Yes he died. He gave himself for our sins. But then it's a strong purpose clause that he might so that he might deliver us from this present evil age and he's stressing this because the galatians haven't got it yet they still want to live as it were in this age they still haven't grasped the full significance or if they had grasped the full significance they've forgotten it because they've been drawn aside i mean they need to be brought back and there are times in our lives when we need to be brought back to the fact that Christ and Christ alone is all we need people get very confused over the years in speaking to people I've asked them "Well, on what basis are you going to be accepted by God if you were to appear before God at this particular point in time what would your plea be I could spend another 20 minutes giving you all the answers I've had. Very few of them are true. People are confused about these things. Even professing Christians are confused about these things. Therefore it is no harm at all for us to go back to the basic things. Christ's death on the cross secured deliverance. So that he might deliver us from this present evil age and it is god's doing it is christ's doing this act of deliverance when joseph was sold into egypt he needed to be delivered out of all his troubles that's recorded by stephen in acts chapter 7 and verse uh, verse 10 it's the same word he was delivered he was rescued Someone needed to do something for Joseph he couldn't do for himself. The same word is used in connection with Peter when he was imprisoned. How was he delivered? The Lord sent his angel to deliver him from the hand of Herod and the expectations of the people. Acts 12 and verse 11. Paul himself says he was told at his conversion. He records it in chapter 26, verse 17. God says, Christ says to him, I will deliver you from the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And it's that word that is used here. And in each case it's a divine deliverance. In the case of Joseph, Peter, Paul. And here it is used as a picture of divine deliverance. In salvation that Christ brings. It's the only way. It's the only time, rather than which, this word is used of God's salvation. It's God's rescue. It's God's deliverance, and it is precise result of Christ's death and the bearing of sin on the cross. It means that you and I were in a deep predicament. We were helpless. We were powerless we could not save ourselves there was no way out we couldn't dig our way out of the pit we were in great danger and if you're not in christ you are still in that dangerous position because you've not been saved from your sins and you are in no fit state to stand before a holy God so listen carefully as we hear about how Christ delivers us and what kind of deliverance this is what is the predicament why do we need to be rescued what do we need to be rescued from well Paul is adamant we need to be rescued, delivered from this present evil age and the emphasis is on the evilness of this age it's the last word in the sentence in the original it's this present age that is dominated by characterized by evil that's what we need to be delivered from many people have no clue about this predicament have no idea why they need to be rescued well let's try and understand what Paul means here What is this present age? Before we look at the evil of it. What is this present age? Is it simply the days in which we are living? Now, I don't think anyone would say, well, the days in which we're living, righteousness reigns. This is an evil age. No one would doubt that. But it can't refer to this present age because the Galatians were living it in as well. So it's a much longer period than our own lifetime. So there are some people who say, well, perhaps it refers then to the last days. The last days, which is the period from Christ's coming into this world to his return again in glory. The Bible also talks about of a future age and contrasts it with this present age. But I don't think it refers to the last days. I think far more persuaded that this present age is the whole period of human history since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. That was part of history, part of human history. But when Adam and Eve sinned against God, when they disobeyed God's commandment, sin and death entered in and put the human race in a very real predicament. The boys and girls' catechism, God made them Adam and Eve holy and happy. And what happened to them? They became sinful and miserable. Why did we become miserable? Because death finally would swallow up. Death and the final judgment of God. And I believe that therefore this present age refers to the age that we are now living in that began with the fall of Adam and Eve not to the time before the fall because you may remember what Genesis chapter 1 and 2 teach us when God made this world he pronounced it good and when he saw all that he had done on the the last day he pronounced it very good there was no sin there was no death there was no evil so I think now when you come to ask the question why is it evil you begin to see I think you can see that this present age is an age that is dominated by sin and by death itself it's wages it's the age of sin and misery think of what happened after Adam and Eve had sinned and were cast out of the garden boys and girls you know the story about Cain and Abel Cain murdered his brother Abel was that a good thing or was that evil evil a wicked thing murdered his brother and then after him Lamech and he's worse than Cain in some ways why because he takes two wives and boasts about having killed a man in revenge was that a good thing or an evil thing and as you read on in the book of Genesis you come to chapter 5 and like a tolling funeral bell so and so lived so many years and he died and then you come to genesis chapter 6 in the days before the flood and there in verse 5 the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was what evil not on and off but continually continually evil inward evil pouring out of their hearts and the earth was full of violence and God brought judgment upon that world sin is an evil because it is against God a holy, just and infinitely good God sin is wickedness sin is transgression of the law of of god a breaking of the ten commandments its disobedience its rebellion and brothers sisters we are and we were born into this world by nature we are children of wrath sons of disobedience all of us that is how we came into this world evil was deeply rooted in our hearts wickedness became part and parcel of our daily lives And this present evil age has its principles. It has its practices. It has its fashions. It has its way of thinking. It has its pursuits of pleasure. Its tastes. Its choices. What is it marked by? You go back to Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? The ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. And women. The human race is characterized by evil in the heart and it was none other than the lord jesus christ who exposed the sin of the religious leaders of his days these were people who were relying on these kosher laws and their rules about washing and this and that and the other they did not see they did not understand the god of this world had blinded their eyes but what did he say to them He says, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. There is the list in Mark chapter 7 and verses 21 to 23 and he sums it up and says all these evil things come from within and defile a man so you see what Paul means when he describes this present evil age that is characterized by evil it's dominated by evil evil that is deep seated in the hearts of men and women boys and girls by nature sinners How then could anything that comes from my human heart, which is evil, and yours, how can any act or any actions that you do, how can that deal with your sin? Hopeless. All these Jewish laws were outward. They don't touch the heart. They don't deal with us by nature and there is our sin it is deeply embedded in our nature and until Jesus Christ delivers us from that evil sin and that evil nature there can be no way in which we can find a place in heaven evil and wickedness has no place in heaven it will be banished well you say well none of us are going to make it then. well no, Paul is saying we've been delivered from this present evil age and we've been delivered by the one who gave himself for our sins now there may be someone sitting here this evening even some of you younger ones let alone some of you older ones who are saying I don't see why the death of Christ was necessary shrug your shoulders I I don't think I'm a particularly bad person oh I've done a few bad things yes but I'm not really deep down a bad person and then you say well you've been talking about Adam and Eve I I don't believe in Adam and Eve I don't believe all this stuff about the entrance of sin and death into the world and I don't think I need to be rescued from anything and I certainly don't see myself in the kind of predicament That you're describing, I don't see myself as evil, as wicked. How many conversations have you had with people along those sorts of lines? If you think any of those thoughts, that is proof to you this evening that you are still living in this present evil age. And you can't see the truth of the gospel of Christ and the value of his death on the cross indeed the God of this world has blinded you the only way to be saved from your sins and from this present evil age is to be saved and washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ that's the only way the third thing then that we see and conclude from this is that god's gospel christ's gospel leads us to boast in jesus christ leads us to boast in jesus christ john calvin said of this verse this verse is a thunderbolt that destroys human pride why because we are boasting of christ and not of ourselves I'm here tonight to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ is an all-sufficient Saviour. And he can save you right now from your sins. He is willing. He is able. If you will but come to him, confess your sins, repent of your sins, and rely upon Jesus Christ alone to save you. Have done with all your good intentions and sincerity. Throw it away. Cast it at the foot of the cross. And with both hands reach out to the Jesus who will save you from your sins. He gave himself for sinners. He gave himself to deliver you from this present evil age and to deliver you from your sin and from the sin of this age to change your heart to change your very nature to give you a new heart to make you a new creation in Christ. You can't do that. But Jesus Christ does and can and is willing to do that now if you will but cast yourself as a lost and guilty sinner upon Christ. You boys and girls here as well as some of you who are older do you know that Jesus Christ saves children? Jesus Christ saves little boys and girls. our brother who led the service this evening you speak to his father his father will tell you he believes he was converted when he was three and he's three years of old, three years of age that's your grandfather isn't it yeah Jesus Christ saves children now, if you can save someone who's three years old, how old are some of you? How long have you been waiting? What are you waiting for? <sighs> are you waiting till you're, you're you're better? Do you think you're right? And you're waiting for some some bolt of lightning to strike you and make you aware suddenly? No, no. Jesus invites you. And more than that, he commands you to believe on him. And so long as you do not come to him you remain in great danger great danger because you are still caught up in this present evil age and that is an age that is under the judgment of God that is an age an evil age that will bear the wrath of God so long as men and women boys and girls continue in their sins Boys and girls you can go to Jesus Christ tonight and plead with him Lord wash me clean make me a new creation in Christ because I can't do it myself and apart from you I will perish as part of this present evil age. He alone, Jesus Christ alone atones for sin he alone can deliver you from the guilt of your sin from the power of your sin and from the punishment that is due to you his death on the cross is all sufficient you don't need to add anything to it and certainly you do not need to add your efforts your prayers, your sincerity your good works, your good intentions and you certainly don't need to add all these Jewish things they may not mean a great deal to many of you well don't worry too much about that because what we're saying is nothing human nothing of us is needed Christ the Son of God has done it all that's why he died on the cross and those of you who are believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ you know That you never saved yourself. You know that deep down. And yet there are times when. The idea that we have contributed. Even just a little bit. Smuggles its way in. To our thinking. And we begin to rely upon ourselves. In some way. What happens then? Well all our peace and assurance goes. Disappears. Why? Because we've lost sight. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, you and I ought to be boasting. Boasting of Christ and in Christ and of Christ. You've grasped the fact that your obedience, your prayers, your sighs, your tears, whatever else you can contribute is not going to save you from your sins. You know that. You know the words of Top Lady's famous hymn, Not the labours of my hands can fulfil thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash ye say. you can make that your prayer if you're not yet a christian fly to the fountain foul and plead jesus save me wash me wash me savior or i die now of course if you are a christian you're still living in this present evil age and there are still the remains of sin, and you sigh and you groan because of the wickedness that you see around you. But you see, that's not the only reality. A Christian is someone who's got one foot in the future age, as well as one foot in this age. There's a sense in which you're already raised with Christ to newness of life, you're seated. With Christ at the right hand of the Father. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 2. So you have a hope. Because Jesus Christ has and is delivering you from this present evil age. You have a future hope. But what is your hope? If you do not boast in Christ. As you boast in Christ that will strengthen and give you assurance of your hope that it is firm that it cannot be removed because it is in Christ not in you how many people have I spoken to who have said to me oh the one thing I'm worried about is whether whether I will persevere whether I will attain to heaven whether I will really get there I'm frightened that I will fall into sin and I've said to them I will say to them again have you forgotten to boast in Christ? Christ is your all-sufficient Saviour. I read this morning with, with my a very telling phrase. It was talking about the righteousness of Christ. And Thomas Brooks was saying, it can never be sinned away. Now that doesn't mean to say you can do what you like. Because if you think you can do what you like, you probably aren't saved in the first place. But if you are trusting and boasting in Jesus Christ and relying upon him for the forgiveness of sins and for the righteousness that's going to present you before the Father, faultless and perfect, you cannot sin that away. It cannot be removed because Christ is your Saviour. If you rely upon what you've done, you're going to be thinking, have I done enough? And you're going to be detracting from Christ. But you must rely on Christ and boast in him. What would you say is the most common theme in our hymns? My guess is, and I, I haven't tested this out, but I, I've sung enough of them over the years, but it's, it's singing about Christ and his death on the cross. And that's one of the ways in which we glory in Christ and boast in Christ. We sing of Him, we praise Him, we bless Him. Why do we celebrate the Lord's Supper repeatedly? What are we doing at the Lord's Supper if we are not boasting in Christ? We're feeding upon the benefits, the saving benefits of His body and His blood. He's delivered us from our sins. He's delivered us from this present evil age. And in all that we might not forget, he says, now come and remember me in this very specific way. Don't therefore neglect the Lord's table. It's one way in which together we boast in Jesus Christ. Can you see that what the Apostle Paul is saying here is really the foundation of the whole Christian faith. The foundation of our hope. The foundation of our love. The foundation of our faith. The true church of Jesus Christ is a church that boasts of one person. That person is Jesus. Jesus Christ so Paul can end his letter to the Galatians God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation And interestingly, he then says, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. You see, he ends as he began. He's talking about grace. He's talking about mercy. He's talking about peace. But it only comes as you boast in Jesus Christ. And you see, all of this is according to the eternal purpose of God. All of this is according to the will of God. As I think about that, it takes my breath away. That is something too wonderful for me to grasp. But it is true. That's what Paul is saying he said to the Galatians don't be moved away this is God's gospel this is the gospel of Christ this is the eternal will and purpose of God don't rob God of the glory to him it belongs so don't go back to these human things but learn to boast and boast only in Christ you know one day you'll be set free you won't be living in this present evil age. You won't even have one foot in this present evil age. You'll have both feet firmly on the ground in the new heavens and the earth. Amen. The home of righteousness. What a wonderful day that will be. Yes. But for now, we must live in this present evil age. But we must keep our eyes then upon Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. Amen. Amen. We bow and bless your great and holy name, Sovereign Lord. We come thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has accomplished for us when he came into this world and died on that cross to deliver us from our sin from death from hell and condemnation deliver us from this present evil age lord we marvel that there are so many of us here who have been made a new creation in christ lord we pray that every single one young and old may be transformed by the power of the gospel of christ by christ himself that all of us every individual here may boast of christ and christ alone we pray in his name amen Amen.